And do you know what I love about the house of God is you can shut our doors, but you can't shut our mouths. So we will go on social media, we will go on everywhere platform we can find, and we will begin to declare that Psalm 91 is our banner right now over top of coronavirus. It doesn't matter. For He will rescue me from every trap and protect me from every deadly disease. He will cover me with His feathers. You know what I love about that? He says He will cover me with His feathers. He hasn't even got swords or shields or metal or huge artillery. He's got feathers. Come on, have you read the Word of God later to see how much you can laugh in the enemy's face? He will cover me with His justice feathers. He doesn't even need artillery for this. Just feathers. Because God is saying, you don't get it. When it comes into your presence, it dies. Because I subject the atmosphere with my words. Because I subject the atmosphere with my words, with my voice. That's why we run late before praise and worship starts. We're all trying to get here. Because the enemy says that if you begin to subject the atmosphere of your home with the words that you're going about to sing and you're about to proclaim, because we began to stand here on this platform and we said, God, your promises are greater than anything I'm walking through right now. That's what we started this service with. We began to declare that it's in your presence, Jesus. It's in your presence that I will see fullness of joy. We began to subject the atmospheres that we're walking into. When we walk into our place of work tomorrow and there's fear in those rooms and there's confusion in that room, we subject the atmosphere. As we see the Holy Spirit walk in with us and He will shelter with you with His wings for His faithful promises are your armour and protection. A battle is an engagement of two opposing forces. We can choose what we want to take right now. I know what every platform is choosing to do and it is subject to fear. But my Bible tells me that He did not give me a spirit of fear. So therefore, if I walk in fear, I've had to come into an agreement with it. Are we here, church? If I have fear within me of this disease, over this virus, it means that I've come into an agreement with it. Because the Bible tells me that He did not give me a spirit of fear, but He gave me a spirit of a sound mind, come on, and of love. That's why we all, when we walked into church, we struggled to not give each other a hug. Because we actually have the spirit of love upon us. And as I was hugging, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I know I'm not supposed to. But God said to John in John 16, 33, He said, For I've told you, for I've told you all this, listen, so that you will have peace in me. Because you can't get peace in the world, you just can't. But I've told you all of this so that you will have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. God's saying, listen, my people, you 
are going to have trouble. Can someone say an amen? We're only into third month of this year and heck have we got trouble. You're going to have heartache. You're going to, have, you're going to suffer pain. You're going to go through trials. People of God, church, we are going to go through hardships. But I need to come into agreement with the second part of that statement. I need to choose to do it. I hear what God is saying. Be prepared, Morella. You're going to come and there's going to be trials and sorrows in your journey. But take heart and join yourself with my heart and choose to believe what I'm about to tell you. And that is I have overcome the world. The word overcome means to conquer or prevail. The word overcome means to conquer or prevail. That word actually means... When it says in the Greek, it says overcome, it says that you have prevailed, which means you are superior to what you are facing. It means to conquer or prevail, means that you have been proven that it is superior. Whatever overcomes, it's actually a legal definition that says that whatever has been overcome has proven to be superior. So when God says, I am superior to the trials and the sorrows. I am superior to whatever you're going to face. But you need to come into agreement with it. God's not going to force Himself on you. He's not going to force Himself for you to go out. You can choose. But I know that my Bible tells me that I'm going to suffer. I'm going to face Trials and sorrows, heartaches, pain. I'm going to suffer them. But I have to come into an agreement that He is superior to everything that is coming my way. What happens when, we, we, when we're confronted with superiority? We bow to it. We're not even going to engage in that. We're not even going to go there. We're just like, oh, you've shown your authority. And God says, and I'm telling you, that's what I walk in. That's what I've given you. That's the spirit that you walk through now. You have got the spirit of overcoming everything that you've been given, everything that is coming your way, but choose to come into an agreement with it. I want to read to you something. A story about a battle that happened. One of the greatest battles of the centuries. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat is up for the battle of the century in this story. And guess what? He is about to lose big time. He was so badly outnumbered. He wasn't silly. He wasn't pretending. He knew if I get involved in this battle, I'm done. But I want to read you his story because what he does is what subjects the atmosphere of what he walks into. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Amorites, and some of the Medunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Verse 2, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you and beyond the Dead Sea. They're already Hazarona Tama. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. I love the fact that the world is terrified with news at the moment. But I wonder how much are we seeking God for guidance? 
He also ordered everybody in Judah to begin to fast. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek for the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord and he prayed. How many of you walking to your workplaces tomorrow and going, you don't get it. I understand fear, but I've already prayed. We have got many doctors and nurses in this building that have to walk in and confront that virus tomorrow. But guess what? I'm asking Have they can walk in and say, but I've prayed. Jehoshaphat said, he stood before the community of Judah and he said, our Lord, our God, you alone are the God who is in heaven. Come on, someone give me an amen. Go check your Bible. He's the only living God that exists. You are the ruler of all kingdoms on earth. You are powerful and you are mighty and no one can stand against you. Come on, this guy's about to be completely demolished. But listen to his prayer life. You are the ruler of the kingdoms of earth. You are powerful, you are mighty and nobody can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when the, where your people of Israel arrived? And did you not give the land forever to your descendants? of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and they built a temple to honour your name. They said wherever they are faced with calamities such as war, plague and famine, we can come and stand in the presence before the temple where your name is honoured. That's what the house of ICC is. It's a temple where the Word of God is honoured. Come on, this is a place where these four walls will shout out the praises of their God. We will be known for people who will continually speak the good news of truth that will prevail in every circumstance. He said, we come to stand in your presence before the temple where your name is honoured and we cry out to you for you to save us. I love what He says, and you will hear us and you will rescue us. Come on. Then He said, oh God, you will not judge them. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Come on, but read the next line. But our eyes are on you. We don't know what 2020 holds. But are we grounded in the knowing that I don't know what's going to be coming my way. I don't know what army is going to come up and get ready to attack me. But this I do know, my eyes are on you. In Chronicles chapter 20, the same chapter, verse 17, the Lord replies to him, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position and stand firm. And see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go and face them. I love that God says, don't be intimidated by them. Just go and face them. Tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. But see, you know what? We love quoting 2 Chronicles chapter 17 verse. We love that. I'm in a battle. God's just telling me I need to just stand here. And I need to just believe it. But what I need you to understand, ICC, is that before God spoke, there was a process that Jehoshaphat had to come into an agreement with. 
I don't know what is going on, God. I don't know why this army is coming against me. And at the very moment that I heard this, I know that we're going to be defeated. But my eyes are going to stay on you. And I'm going to call everybody into an agreement. And I'm going to call everybody into a fast. Because I don't know how to deal with this. But he declared. So we want the verse 20. Chapter 20, verse 7, we want to stand on there. We want the promises of God. We want to hear God say, don't move, just stay there. God's going to take up the position. God's going to fight this battle for you. And He is. But it's what Jehoshaphat did before it. You'll not fight. Stand firm. Stay on course. That's what we all want to hear from God. But what you need to learn is what you establish in battle will happen. See, he chose to establish this battle is going to happen. This fight's about to take place. But I will subject the atmosphere with the words I'm about to choose to say. And what he chose to say was that, God, I know that I stand in the temple where you did miracles before. You freed your children before. And I stand in the same location that you did it. That is why in the next decade, we are determined to get testimonies after testimonies on this platform. Because you will come under this church building and you will say, I heard it at that platform of cancer being dismissed. I've heard the brain cancer is being dismissed. I've heard the divorce is being dismissed. I heard it with my own ears. And I stand in that same temple that you did it for that person. I am now coming into agreement. Come on. Are you here with me? That is why it is so important that you have to come to church because you have no idea what is about to be spoken into the atmosphere. You don't know what you're about to hear that comes out of the words of those who have been before God for the week. You just need to know that out of this platform, we'll always speak the truth of God. We'll always push you to go. You've got this. God is going to stand for him. But what are you speaking into your atmosphere? Where are you holding the Monday to Fridays in your household? We love to quote that part of the battle. But even before the battle started, even before he knew anything, all he heard was there's a vast army coming against you. And he immediately made a decision, call everybody and they're going to come into an agreement with me. And we are going to stand firm. And as he prayed, you know what the Bible, where that scripture said, he took up and as the community was surrounding me, he spoke into the community. He spoke over the people of God. And as they began, he said, we are standing in the temple that honors the name of God. He's saying it to the people of God. He said, you need to hear it. We're doing this together. We're going out of these four walls together because we know that where we're standing right now is holy ground. Can someone give me a mighty amen? Where we stand is holy ground. Where we stand is healing ground. Where you stand is a miracle working God's presence evident in that place. That's why King Jehoshaphat said, I'm a ruler and I can go run away and I can try to go get as many armies to go out, do them. But I'm going before the Lord. And you need to hear the cry of my heart as your leader. We need to learn how to do this. You will not need to fight this battle. Take your position and stand. The battle is not about you, church. So don't let the enemy internalize this. He lets you think that it's because you've got shame on your life. He lets you think that because you've got guilt on your life. He wants to blame you because you're this. He wants to tell you that the battle you're facing is because you're a failure. Let's get something right. This battle is not mine, says the Lord. 
He said, if I take my position, instantly when I take my position, I shift the authority to the Word of God. And then He goes into battle for me. I stand here, but I make a choice of what is spoken. And I tell the subject of the atmosphere I'm walking in. You don't understand. I stand in the temple. I'm not eternalizing this. Enemy, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. I didn't know you. I didn't need you, your pathetic thing to tell me I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But in four weeks, I'm about to shout as loud as I can that I serve a risen God. And that blood of Christ has conquered me and He has saved me from every sin and every past I'll ever walk under. And I will shout louder. No, will I shout that I'm a perfect person? Oh, no, I will not shout I'm a perfect person. I will shout I'm a perfect under His grace. I am forgiven under His grace. None of us deserve to be here this Easter. But if you come and you speak to the atmosphere and you say, you don't understand that cross, that cross is what tells me I have a past, but I've got a destiny. And from this moment on, I can stand in the battle. I can stand and I can take my position. But every lead up to every battle, I choose to speak the words of God. Josephat reminded God, I've seen you do this before. You did this for Abraham. You can do it for me. I need you to show up, God. I need you to show up, God. Who knows that the harder the battle is, the shorter your prayers are. I'm giving up, God. You need to step on up. You can do this, God, because I've seen you do it before. I know you can do this because I've already witnessed you do it before. And every time you walk into this ICC building, you will hear testimony after testimony of what God has done because He is still doing it. He's still a miracle working God. He's still a God that holds His promises. He's still a God that will cover me with His feathers when I'm broken. He will still be a God that holds me when everything else is crushed against me. He will hold me until He has the final say. You did it for them. It's time for you to do it for me. So every time Satan comes up towards me, that's okay. I'm going to get God involved. Come on. I'm just going to get God involved. Satan, you can bring it on. The last three months have not been the easiest three months. But you know what I've decided? Every time the enemy feels like he can face me, I'm going to get God involved. So therefore the battle doesn't belong to me. The battle always belongs to God. See, I may be weak. I may be tired. There'll be seasons that I'll be shattered and broken. But once I get God involved, He will go and remind the enemy, guess what? I've actually already won this battle. He'll actually already go and win it. Are we going again? Are we going over again over my daughter? Well, come, because I will show you again and remind you again that she has victory in my name. I don't have to take, I have to take my hands off it. I have to take my hands off it because I have already learned to seek the Lord. Seek Him. Stop letting the mountains intimidate you. Get ready to climb Him. Stop getting intimidated by the severity of the steepness of these mountains that we're being called to climb. Strap on some boots. Let's go to war in 2020. Let's go. Because this battle is not ours. This battle belongs to the Lord. Once you've given all your faith, turn it to God. Stop looking at it through the natural. You've got a promise from God. You can't. This chapter cannot kill you. Because this chapter, God has defeated. 
way before you even got here. Let me read to you just before I close in 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the greatest battles known to mankind. Goliath was a giant. Goliath was a big, ugly giant. But he's still a man. But he's still a man. Come on, are you here? See, coronavirus, cancer, and flu are all under the same banner. So why do I have faith that God can heal me from a flu, but I'm terrified at the word cancer? It's still a disease. It's still a disease. But the Bible tells me that by His stripes, I'm healed. That comes under that banner. The story of David and Goliath wasn't just about a little boy up against a big giant. It was about one man up against another man. That's what the bottom line is. Size has nothing to do with it. And I can prove to you size has nothing to do with it. Because I'm a little person and I wear stilettos to the day I'll die. But I will come up against Satan. It doesn't matter how long. Size does not matter. Amen. Bring it on. People see me in my stilettos and they're like, oh, you'll regret that. I actually will never regret it. Because God's going to have a plan for this. When I'm 90, I have a plan. He's got a plan. I don't know. I'll be the best looking stiletto old lady you'll ever see. But what David chose to do that the rest of the church or the men of God did not do. It was in a valley that this battle took place. It was in a valley, it was in a wilderness that this valley took place. But as this man came out to intimidate the people of God, he was out to prove one thing. You say that your God is great. You say that your God is strong. But with my voice, I intimidate you and you will hide. But God was saying to David, David, I want you to walk down that valley. And when you get to the middle of the valley, at the halfway mark, I want you to stop and I want you to remember who I was in the wilderness for you. So while David is walking in the valley, while David is walking in the wilderness, do you know what David is doing? He's reminding himself of the things that God had already done. He's like, you know what? This man is not stronger than the lion that I just faced. This man is not stronger than the bear that I just slaughtered. And as he's walking in the valley to approach this man, God is continually reminding me, David, remember who I am. David, remember what I did with you. Remember what I did to you in the private. Remember the strength I gave you when you were in the private zone with me, when you were in the wilderness. And at that point, God says, guess what, David? I want you to pick up some victory stones. There is no great plan behind this except five rocks. There's no great plan behind the greatest battlefield on man, known to mankind. But David, pick up some rocks. Let me tell you, what killed Goliath that day was not the rock. It was not the rock that killed Goliath in case you've worried about it. Because science can prove that that was a very small, 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 small rock it's proven that the rock didn't kill him 
let me show you what killed Goliath. It actually happens before that in 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is what killed Goliath. David shouted in reply, You come to me with swords and spears? I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven and of Israel, the very God of whom you have defiled. Today, subject the atmosphere, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut your head off and then I will go give the dead body of your men to the birds of the wild animal. Come on, talk about R-rated here. I will take the dead bodies of your men to the birds of the wild animal and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And they all gathered here. And all those that gathered will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. Do you know what he did, church? He prophesied what was about to happen to the man that was coming against him. He prophesied, you don't get to come in and tell me how I'm going to run my life. Coronavirus, you don't get to tell me what happens in my household. When you come up against my household, you will meet the blood of Jesus. When you come up against our church property, you will meet the blood of Jesus. We are not fearful to walk in to a communal place because we know And the world will know that the church is not fearless. That the church is fearless in the face of what is coming up against us. David literally prophesied his victory. And Goliath was defeated. With one sling, one stone, Goliath was done. And then he ran over to Goliath and he fulfilled what he spoke. He cut off his head. Do you know what I love about this? That was the only conversation that David had with Goliath. There was no conversation leading up to it or even after it. David decided, I'm going to subject you to what I say. Let's stand to our feet this morning.